Welcome to Under the Bus, where three old guys have not only been on a few buses, but have probably been under a few buses in our time. Uh, talk about the virtues of sport, but also throw a lot of sports people under the bus. I'm Bob Stevens from ESPN Sports Center's Glory Days, joined by Curry Kirkpatrick of Sports Illustrated's Glory Days and Hall of Fame coach Rich Basirico, who is reliving Glory Days through his old school that just won a state championship. We'll get back to that in just a moment. Probably our big story of the, of the week is uh, the, the the phenomenon, I guess they're calling it, called court storming. Been going on forever. The latest incident, though, at Wake Forest, where the Deacons beat Duke over the weekend. The students stormed the court. Duke center Kyle Filipowski sprained his knee. Uh, not sure when he's going to play next. Duke coach John Shire and other coaches now want to ban court storming in college basketball. Curry, you have seen a lot of court storming in your day. Where you where you fall on this? Well, of course, I'm I'm coming from this from from two angles here. First of all, I'm a North Carolina guy, which makes me an anti Duke fan, and I'm also a Wake Forest father. My both my daughters went to Wake Forest, so I watched this game. And I had, uh, you know, I had a horse in a game. I, uh, of course, coming, I think, uh, as a North Carolina guy, I think I text you guys right after the game. It, it's Filipowski that, that went down. And, of course, uh, I, you know, I think I texted something nasty, snarky, like, uh, I'm sorry you weren't fast enough to get off the court. Sorry, uh, Wake Forest student, student body. Uh, because, you know, that that aerial, and I called him uh, something like Phil, Philip Pinball because, that aerial shot of him going down, I mean, it's like a pinball. He's like, hits a guy and a guy hits him. Then he's going for another guy. He goes and he spins around at one time. It's like a pinball going back and forth. And, you know, it's too bad. I hope he isn't hurt uh, that that badly. But Duke's reaction to this is what makes Duke Duke. I mean, you know, we, get, we have the player, Filipowski, saying he was targeted and that it was deliberate that's ridiculous that first of all that's ridiculous right. you saw the arrow shot nobody knew where anybody anybody else was right um that's number one uh for, for shire to come out and say okay we're gonna we want the uh we want banning of court storms uh where was he you know he mentioned caitlin clark in his post game thing but where was he when caitlin clark got smashed a few weeks ago i didn't hear i didn't hear shire say anything about that where was he when the duke uh a football uh, crowd stormed their field when they beat Clemson earlier this year. That was a dangerous court storm. I didn't hear Shire, you know, come out and say, oh, we want it banned. It's just because it's Duke is Duke. Let, let me ask you this. If it wasn't Filipowski that got smashed, if it was like Duke's like 12th man, would we have, and he got hurt, would we have heard anything about this? Maybe not. I don't think so. Maybe I don't think so. Tell. You Let me ask you another one, one more one more question, then I'll shut up. What if this was Memphis? What if this was Memphis? I'm sorry, Houston, which is number one now, playing. They're playing Cincinnati uh, on Tuesday night. What if it was Houston at Cincinnati? Cincinnati stormed the court, and Houston star player Jamal Shedd, who's a great player, he's a better player than Filipowski. He's going to make the All America team. If he went down, would would we be hearing anything about this? I'm I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. But you're going to think I'm crazy. I think he stuck his foot out as the, as the student <laughs> ran by. I really do. If you look at it closely, it looks like he puts his foot out. And when he spins around like a helicopter, come on, he didn't get hurt <laughs> hit that day. I mean, yes, he did get hit. But he spun around like, come on, you're six foot eight. You're a big guy. 
Well, he's bigger than that. He's bigger than that. Okay, Rich. he's bigger. He's almost seven feet. Okay, and he got hit. He got spun around that hard, and then the coach runs out there like he's crying. You see his expression on his face, holding on to him like he's a little child. Uh, I, I, where is the rest of the Duke players? Why didn't they get hit? I mean, he's the only one that got hit, and I, I don't know. I, I think it's bad that the students went on it because someone could seriously get hurt. But I think that was an exaggeration of what you know, him spinning around and him people holding on to him and please. Uh, well, of course, I, uh, of course, our our Carolina fans' name for Filipowski has always been Flopkowski because he's been flopping for his two years at Duke. He flops all the time, so we're calling him Flopkowski. He's also in the great tradition of all you know. This is all the this is all the Duke dirt ball dirt bag players coming home to roost in Filipowski. We, you know, we have Leitner and JJ Redick and Wojo and all these Duke dirtbag players that all, always play dirty. And, you know, maybe it's karma coming back to roost here. Bob, you think uh, Curry doesn't That's like just, Duke? Yeah. yeah just, just, just a little bit, huh? <laughs> well, now, now let me do the, let me do the reasonable man. Let, let me get it off the Duke Carolina Wake Forest deal and do the reasonable man interpretations. I think it is really dangerous. It's come to be. It's come yes. to be maybe something that. But but they talk about banning it. How are you going to ban it? Are you going to get like policemen all you know, guarding the rails? I think uh, you know the, the southeastern. I was surprised the ACC has not addressed this with fines because the southeastern conference right. has already fined. They've already fined LSU LSU hundred thousand for rushing the court against Kentucky. And of course, Angel Reese was in the middle of that. If right. you're going to, you know, if you're going to find people, they should probably find her butt to, you know, keep off the court. But I don't know how you're going to, you're going to do that. Um, well, do students, I mean, if, if the students know that the university can be fined $100,000, that it makes no difference to them. No, but no. Is there a, has there been an announcement like prior, like 30 seconds before the game's over, like, hey, please do not, you know, storm the court. Not that it's going to stop it. I'm staying with a dear friend, my college roommate right now in Fort Myers, and his wife said to me this morning, maybe they should have fraternities. Fraternities come around and appeal oh. to them to stand around the court, like rotate and stand around the court and not, you know, kids are going to respect other kids, and maybe they don't. I don't know who knows if they would or not. And maybe if you uh, don't let kids on the court, um, you donate some money to their keg parties. I don't know. I mean, do something that uh, it's appealing. I know that sounds crazy, but it's appealing to the student body that, hey, we're going to protect the players on both sides and maybe the fraternities uh, do something about it. I don't know. I don't, there's not enough policemen that you're going to put around the court that's going to pre uh, prevent that from well, happening. Well, it's a funny thing. I, I I don't know if you guys were watching the game. I, I was watching. It was, you know, what got lost in this. It was one of the terrific games of the season. There were like 14 ties, 14 lead changes, something like that. And about with three minutes to go, I could swear I heard on, you know, there are open mics all around the courts now. And I could swear I heard during a timeout of voices, you know, from the sideline and guys saying, what, what are we going to do now if we win? Are we, where are you going? Where are you going like that? It sounded like there were some officials talking about, you know, what to do if we actually won. This was like two or three minutes to go in the game when it was right. seesaw back and forth. No, nobody knew who's going to win, but I could swear I heard that. And I thought to myself, you know, there, there's, there's putting in a plan here, but the plan was not a good one. And, you know, 
Seth Greenberg on ESPN got on his high horse and, you know, criticized the Wake Forest administration for not having a plan in place. Wow. Well, I think they had a plan, but it wow. it was so fast. This thing happened so fast. Correct. Um, I think it was Bill Self in Kansas. He said he was watching it, and he said they came on court so fast, you know, almost before the buzzer sounded. And there's nothing you can do unless you have that that security in place, you know, long before that. And it can't be these, you know, 75 year old fat guys being your security because they <laughs> they, they show a couple of those guys and they have no shot. They have no shot. Yeah. I mean, they now have what uh, the uh, local police are all surround the coaches in football to get right. them on and off the field. Right. They're. They're there. There's a presence there. There should be more of a presence yeah. there. I I was involved in in what was going to be a court storming when I was in college 45 years ago. We wanted wow. to storm. We had beaten our crosstown rival in their place, and we wanted to storm the court. And uh, a few well-placed guys with badges on uh, who had guns on their side uh, probably talked uh, talk us out of that pretty quickly. Really? Uh, really? That, that was considered to be not a very good idea. Now, kids don't seem to, to uh, you know, worry about that sort of thing. Well, too much. The only thing I saw that did work about a, three weeks ago, there was a college game where the, the team anticipated students storming the court. You know, they were the home team. They were mm -hmm. upsetting the team. And the assistant coach stood up and put his hands up to the, the student section. And you could see him mouth like, Please don't, please don't come, please don't. Kept on doing this for about 15, 20 seconds, and they didn't storm the court. They did head not coaches storm need, the court. Head coaches need to do that. Well, I the mean, Wake Forest Duke, in, in the Wake Forest Duke game, the Wake Forest coach called timeout with two seconds left. He, he called timeout. And that should give time for security to all come down and get gathered. But and that apparently, should give time for him to you know, hold up yeah, his right. arms and say, Hey, right. don't the, the coach yeah. they might respect. And, and, and maybe, and maybe that's, that's the way to fix well, it. Well, there's also, there's also the matter of if it's not a, this is, if it's not a close game, you know, if it's going to be a court yeah. storming, it's going to be when the losing coach. And I've seen, I've seen the rat do, do, do this in, in previous, previous seasons, Krzyzewski, he pulled his team. They're, they're going to get beat and he gets his team off the court. The, the teams that aren't, that aren't, mm -hmm. aren't in the game. Before the game's over, he gets right. all his bench guys to go to the locker room. No handshake line and no, you just go to the locker room, get out of harm's way. Um, which brings up another point, handshake lines. That to me. This is the way to, to me, get rid of them. I mean, and I think we've seen this year, you know, there was a big brawl uh, down. We talked about it last week uh, uh, in Texas, and they suspended eight guys for a handshake line because they got in a big brawl. And Rich and I talked about this week. What is the what is the sense of these handshake lines? You know, it should be like the NBA. The coach, the losing coach, does not want to. And the players, they don't want to shake anybody's hands. They want to get out of there. So it's so fake. It's so fake that they go through the line, and it it takes you know two or three minutes. It's like a ritual now. And Rich says, you know, eliminate that because when Rich yeah. coached, Rich, you didn't want to get shake the guy's hand, right? After you lost. No, after I lost, I want to go to the locker room. I didn't want to yeah. get out there on the court, you know. People might be throwing stuff at us, you know. I want to yeah. go to the locker room. No, you. And it's just like you don't even speak to people. People want to come by and 
and you know say a oh, tough game i i don't really want to talk i mean i, I i'm yeah. that's not fair yeah. but i just don't want to really talk to people you lost um, you got a lot of things in your mind and uh, you want to get to the locker room with the kids and speak with them. Um, the last thing you want to do is hang around the court. That's, so that'd be a way to eliminate some of the stuff going on. Like Curry just said, get the kids off the floor. You know, you, you know, that's going to be an upset. Get them off the floor, get them in the locker room and you, and you eliminate the handshake. Well, you had some problems this year. Justin talked about USCB having some issues with guys shaking hands and starting fights. Like eliminate that. Yeah. Yeah. That, good, good, good well, call there. Go and ahead, to get Curry. back to the well, to get back to the Wake Duke game, you know, I don't know. The game ended with with a with a Duke Duke kid throwing the ball to Filipowski, who fumbled the ball out of bounds, and that was it. And Wake Forest would get the ball; they're going to win the game. Right. And Filipowski was on the side of the court, away from the locker rooms. And then when they rush the court, he kind of wanders around in the middle of the court, like he doesn't know where he is or what's happening. I mean, all the other Duke players were were able to get off the court. Right, What's right, the deal yeah. with this guy? He and was like wandering he around. He was like he... wandering around, like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I am. And he got, you know, got his butt blasted. Right. Get off the court! Come on. <laughs> Want to ask you two guys if you saw any court storming uh, last night when Mississippi Valley State uh, beat Prairie View? It was uh, Mississippi Valley State's first win of the year. They are now one and twenty-seven. They are the last team to win a game. There was actually the the team that won its first game uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Detroit Mercy had a court storming. They had one guy. One one guy. Yeah, court. yeah. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> and there was nobody for him to storm with. That's <laughs> one guy walked That was the title game. That's the that best. was great. That's that's yeah. where you, that's you do storming. You just identify one person that can storm the court. Oh, guy. there you go. go. Yeah. Well, now, we what, what, what do you think? Of, what do you think of Seth Greenberg's other plan? Take the teams into the crowd. The the team celebrate. He go. They go into the crowd. Apparently, they do this at a couple of places in the, in the Big Twelve, Texas Tech, or somewhere. After the game, the players go up into the crowd to celebrate with the students. What's that all about? I mean, come on. Students want to run down. To do the court I saw a coach do that recently, going in the crowd and was celebrating with the student body. I don't, that I would, feel that, coach that yeah, that would separate, at least slow people yeah. down a little bit, maybe. For sure. If, For sure. If you did that. All right. We still got lots of basketball to talk about. We want to talk about Rich's team. We got to take a break here. We'll be right back. Uh, Rich's old team puts up a defensive wall the rest of the nation needs to know about. We're going to talk about <laughs> it when we come back. Out of the bus. Welcome back to Under the Bus. Bob Stevens along with Curry Kirkpatrick and Rich Basirico. Rich, Hall of Fame high school coach, been through the wars. Have you ever seen, though, anything like what happened for your your old school, Hilton Head Prep, in a state championship game? And, and everybody's playing them now. Um, right. They they are down, what, it's 11 to 11 at halftime. Correct. Is, it doesn't, doesn't say much for the, the, the quality Offense. of play <laughs> offensively anyway. 
Uh, yeah, and then and then uh, Hilton Head Prep gets behind uh, its opponent, uh, Christian Academy from upstate, and then throws the defensive wall up, does not allow a single point for the final 14 minutes of the game, and turns a, turns an 11-11 halftime game into a 35-15 to win. You're smiling. You're happy. You're well, loving we're, it. We're, we're proud to be a Dolphin. Uh, they, <laughs> Coach, ba- Coach Barron has done a terrific job with the team. They play a you know, deliberate style, but which works best for them. Uh, but defensively, they're solid. I mean, they are really, really good. I don't know if I've ever seen a team be held with no points for 14 minutes. For, for eight minutes, yes. I've seen a, you know, a quarter where a team doesn't score. But for, for in a state championship game, and you hold the team scoreless for 14 minutes, they only scored four points in the second half. They scored 11 in the first, four in the second. Um, so kudos to Hilton Air Prep and the Dolphins. They did an outstanding job defensively. And, you know, they did enough offensively to obviously win the state championship. But that's the kind of style. They like games in the, th- you know, high 30s, low 40s, um, because that's their style. And defensively, like I said earlier, they're as, they're as solid as they can be. Uh, Coach Barron's done a terrific job, outstanding. And, we're very proud of the Dolphins and Hilton Head Prep basketball and um, can't say enough good things about them. Congratulations. Curry, that reminds you of Dean Smith days at Carolina before the, with the four corners. With all due respect, with, with all due respect uh, please take that off the screen. I'm glad I wasn't at this game, Rich. Sorry. But, you know, I'm all for the Dolphins, but I'm glad I didn't have to watch that abomination. Come on. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch it either. I was, I was down <laughs> visiting my son, and now I'm visiting my, my college roommate, Dick Domenico, and his wife, Dale, and my wife. We're having a great time. And, but we did stream the game and watch some of it. Um, and it, it was, you know, it was pretty amazing to see. I mean, when you think about a state championship, you're thinking about, I mean, they're obviously both teams are. Yeah earned the right to be in a state championship and very deserving of it. And uh, to see a team not be able to score that, you know, it's pretty incredible. But, you know, if you go back to college basketball, UVA playing North Carolina. Thank you. Thank um, you. North Carolina did a great job defensively. But, again, Curry, as much as I can say for North Carolina's defense, UVA can't throw the ball in the ocean. I mean, no, those rock fights. 28% from the floor and 13, 14% from the three-point line. So last week I, I threw Virginia under the bus, Bob. I wanted kudos to Coach Bennett for having win to win twenty games with that team is a miracle. Because that team couldn't outscore Hilton at prep. I mean, uh, unbelievable that could win twenty games with offensively. Curry again, North Carolina played terrific defense, but man, Virginia's awful offensively. They're, they're horrendous. Would you do you agree? What the Virginia North Carolina game? It's no, un- unwatchable. Virginia's offense. Virginia's unwatchable. Come on, I want to. I want to. You know, <laughs> speaking of defense, though, a team that is watchable and that you know plays their you know their season uh, as a defensive specialist team is Houston, and they've gotten the number one now. They're number one in the country. They beat two top eleven teams this week. If we get if we can get back to current uh, college yeah. basketball, I watched the Iowa State uh, Houston game. And it was a rock fight. Yeah. Every game in the Big 12 is like this, it seems. And uh, Fran Fraschilla, the former coach who was doing the game, um, the, the uh, Houston-Iowa State game, he texted me. I texted him. I said, have you got blood sitting on the, on the side? I don't get any blood on your face. And he texted me back. He said, you know, 
the Big 12 has got the referees have got to uh, take control of this more because the, the problem is when when some of these Big 12 get teams get to the NCAA tournament this year, they're not going to be allowed to play that way. And Houston, Houston, uh, ab- above all, uh, I don't think they can play that way in in a, in a tournament. But they do have a terrific team, as I mentioned. This kid uh, Jamal Shedd is terrific. They, you know, they beat Baylor. You know, to just to how close this season is, they beat Baylor after they beat Iowa State. And the Baylor uh, center freshman kid named Missy missed a free throw to win the game. So Baylor would have won that game, and Houston got the ball and came down and went overtime, and Houston won in overtime. But that's how close these season is with these teams. It's it's amazing to me. But um, I just wanted to put my plug in for for the Houston Cougars. How about after our our last week rant on uh, on uh, your buddy Rick Pitino, and then his team oh, goes out go. to Creighton, his unathletic team that can't you know just can't play. Uh, goes out to Creighton and wins in Omaha. That's that's pretty hard. well. They yeah they did beat Creighton, but it was at Madison Square Garden. Oh, oh was it? Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. It was. Yeah, but that's well. Creighton you... come off a win, beating Connecticut by 19, and then yeah, two nights later. Them. How about that? That's the, yeah. And then so I was. Uh, uh, how about Patino's white outfit? Did you see that? Well, Patino oh, after 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 all the basketball Saturday night, I was watching the Screen Actors Guild Awards, and. uh my favorite TV show, show that I know Rich, is, Rich Watch called The Bear, won several awards and um, as best uh, best comedy. The, the star of that show is a kid named Jeremy Allen White. He got he got the Screen Actors Guild Award himself, and he came out he came on his white suit and he looked spectacular. I mean, he looked terrific. So then I turn on the TV the next day and I see another guy in a white suit and it's Rick Pitino. He comes out, and this is from the Rick Patino playbook. You know, he kills his team, he destroys his team, and then he apologizes. And then he comes out, and he goes, he, you know, he said himself, he went to the Armani store the day before, and he got his tailor to, to put it, put together this new suit of his, because, you know, he used to wear a white suit, and he said that one didn't fit. So he had to go to Armani. Oh, my goodness. So sorry for Rick. And he he wears the white suit in the garden. And now, as his players said, I mean, we can't lose if this guy's wearing a white suit. We we got to win this game. The amazing thing about that game is, Rich, and I agree, Craig, of course, was coming off the big win against Connecticut. They have to fly all the way across the country and play in Madison Square Garden at, at noon, at noon. And uh, Rick comes out in his white suit. And Creighton, I'm sorry, St. John's took 80 shots in that game. 80 shots. You know how many threes they took? They took eight. Of the 80 shots they took, eight were threes. They made two threes. And they just beat Creighton with this assortment of mid-range. They got a guy who, who can shoot the mid-range shot. Right. They don't have any well. three-point shooters. And this is the guy. This is, this, well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh Creighton, Creighton should have had on black uniform. That would have been great you know, if they'd have come in been, all black. Patino was in white. Maybe that it was just yeah. a black and white game. I don't know. Not not even well, in color. Patino looked like a snowball. Well, I mean, was, when they, you know, when they invented when they invented the three point shot the first season, Patino was at Providence and he was the maestro of the three point shot. This is yeah, the guy he rode the three point shot with a kid named Billy Donovan, who became of course a great college and pro coach to the final four with just shooting threes. And now he's got another team. So, 
you know, the guy can coach, but I, you know, the white suit, it's a little too much. I mean, he's trying too hard. You know, if he was tan, if he was tan, you can get away the white suit. But the only thing paler than that white suit was Rick's face. I mean, you know, the even the eighth writer said he looks even the wire service. Here, here we go. We're gonna come. Oh, here we go. Great, Justin Jarrett, right on it. I mean, even even the wire service writer said he looked like Colonel Sanders. But what he looks like to me, he looks like the ice cream man. To me, he looks like a fill-in, the ice cream man's fill-in older uncle that came to fill in for him. Yeah, you know, humor. spreading out his ice cream. Around. And he, uh, he, he is the show for him. Do you, do you watch him on the sidelines? Every time the ball's being advanced, he's walking down the sidelines, you know, to the yeah. scorer's table. Well, he's like... Are you in Broadway? What are you doing? You just sit down. Rich, he's done that. He's done that. Rich, he's done that for know, 30 all years. Life. All his life. Yeah. It's, one it's, of the guys, one, one of the guys sitting courtside that he was walking in front of was uh, the actor, uh, Steve Sharippa, who was in the Sopranos. He played Bobby Bacciarelli, the hitman. Okay. Big, big hit my guy, Sopranos, right, right courtside for Rich, for, for, for Patino. And of course, in the midst of all of Patino's problems, you know, moaning about his teams laterally and then coming and apologizing and in the white suit. In the midst of all this, one of the St. John's alumnus, uh, a.k.a. Sugar Daddy, a guy named Mike Rapoli, he came out and he vowed he's going to pay $7 million, $7 million to the NIL this year for St. John's, no matter what it takes. He said, I'm going to spend more than any Big East alumnus in the whole conference. So, I mean... Mike Rapoli, he made his millions in in uh, health water or whatever, vitamin water. I mean, talk about the Sopranos. Come on. <laughs> He's a paisan. What can you say? What's the, what's the story? What's the story? <laughs> we got to go to break. I, I, but I want to ask uh, Curry real quickly. Are you sure that favorite show of yours isn't Cocaine Bear, not Bear? <laughs> no, they don't do much cocaine in that. The cocaine—that's a the cocaine bear was a movie. I didn't even see it. Did oh, you see okay, that? Okay. Is it up for any Oscars? I, I don't. Cocaine bear, no. No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll get back. We're going to talk a little LeBron James. Everybody's got an opinion on LeBron James. Uh, we're going to hear the ones from here as we go under the bus. Welcome back to Under the Bus, Bob Stevens, along with Curry Kirkpatrick and Rich Basirico. Uh, all right, Curry, you you've been want you weren't wanting to light this one up. Uh, LeBron James uh, making making hits again, still scoring lots of points. Still, I think the greatest player in NBA history, but uh, we can argue that. But he certainly uh, does not lack for opinions of his own, and you have some opinions on his opinions. <laughs> Well, for a couple of weeks now, he's been spouting off. You know, he can't keep his mouth shut about anything. But he he was he was uh, front and center at the All Star uh, w weekend, talking about everything and and just making just incredibly stupid comments. I mean, they asked him at one point. Remember, he was there was some trade speculation that he was going to be traded to the Golden State Warriors. This was during during NBA All Star weekend. And he asked him about. It. He said, "LeBron, did did you know about this?" He said, "Oh no, no, I hadn't heard anything. We got to." I only heard about it when you guys heard about it. 
that's patently ridiculous. You know, if there's anything that goes by that, his agent, Rich Paul and LeBron, they talk about everything. LeBron, LeBron, and LeBron coaches the Lakers. Let's let's be let's be any yeah. general management. So for him to say he knew nothing about that is just ridiculous. Then they ask him about, are you you know, are, are you going to do a farewell tour? You know, like Kareem did. And unlike some other players who just pat, you know, they went there into the merry night. And he said, "Oh well, it's fifty-fifty. You know, I'm uh, I'm not real comfortable with the tension." What? Oh. <laughs> LeBron said he's not sure he's not sure he's going to do his fifty the, the farewell tour, get, getting all the gifts at every stop because he's he's not too comfortable with the tension. Come he's on, what are you talking about? What are you talking? Then they asked him. Then they asked him about um, about uh, Bronny James, about his son, and he said, "You know, well, are you still wanting to play with? You know, he's coming out all the time talking about how he wants to play with Bronny." And this this gets speculation of, well, is he going to stay with the Lakers? And what about Bronny and Bronny the freshman at Southern Cal? And and he said, "No, I'm going to leave it up to the kid. It's all about the kid. It's what he decides." Really. Come on, well, LeBron. Come on. He's finally figured out he can't play in the NBA. He's not good enough to play in the NBA. That's what he's finally oh, figured yeah, out. Yeah. Really? Well, well, Rich. College. How is he going to be in the NBA? But Rich, has he figured this out? Because when when the college season started uh, in the preseason, the NBA, LeBron said, "My Bronny's as good as anybody in the well, G League." Right. I mean, that, that's what he says, and he keeps right. he keeps kind of talking about it. What, but what as we know. Watched his son play at USC. I think he USC out not that good. And, USC uh, played. Uh, USC played uh, UCLA Saturday won. night and won. and won in an upset at UCLA. But Bronny James still he can't start on the terrible USC team is under five hundred even after they beat UCLA. Right. He can't start on that team. He right. gets about ten minutes a game. He gets about five points, you know, a game. And the, the funny thing is I watched that game and Bronny played okay, but he wasn't in at crunch time. Yeah. And some guy wrote, a couple guys wrote stories about how Bronny had an impact on the game. Look, he can jump and he can defend. That's about it. And he can't That's shoot like, at all. He's a ter- no, he can't shoot. Not, and he's not an NBA body yet. And, uh, I mean, for LeBron to keep forcing this, into the public eye, you know, somebody, somebody came out with, with their draft, uh, uh, draft picks, uh, speculation on the draft rich, uh, yesterday. Yep. And two of these drafting has him not going in the 24 draft at all going second round in the 25 draft. And of course, LeBron has to come out and say something about that and say, get but off my like son. Yeah. Get off my son. Don't, you know, he doesn't need you talking about him and all Well, we're not, you know, nobody's talking about him except LeBron, actually. Right. right. <laughs> let let the kid be a kid, uh, but yeah. uh, make make sure you pay him and 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 get him some some minutes at Southern Cal of uh, of all places, huh? Speaking speaking of which, speaking yeah. of which, Bob, let's move to your sport enforcing a kid into the national spotlight. What is Tiger Woods doing? Letting Charlie Woods at 15 try to qualify for PGA tournament. I mean, got, you know, what, no what's going on? Got no well, problem Bob, with him letting him try. I got no problem Bob, with the tournament. Bob, Bob, uh, Bob, saying, Bob, hey, the kid, the kid, the kid has yeah. never he's the kid has never played a junior tournament. First of all, he, he doesn't play junior terms. 
why is he trying to play a PGA term? He's not he's not one of the best fifteen year olds in in Florida. I mean, yeah, well, uh, state champion. I mean, they they played on the state championship team uh, in high school already. Um, hey, I, I, Bobby I got Shatt, no problem. Bobby, Bobby shot eighty six, and he made a twelve. You know, first of all, to make a 12 and shoot 86, that's pretty impressive, actually, right yeah. there. But yeah. did, did you see there were all these rowdy crowds around yeah. and they were upsetting him? And some grandmother came up and wanted to get a date with, with Charlie for his their, her granddaughter. I mean, this is this is what Tiger and where was Tiger? I mean, he's nowhere. You know, he's he's with him every step of the way. He's, he, he didn't show up, I think, because he knew it's going to be. You know, I don't know. It's just, well, maybe, I would maybe, say. I mean, maybe that's dad teaching his son a lesson. And let's talk about dads and sons. Maybe that's teaching him a lesson. Hey, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to stay out of the way. Because if Tiger would have shown up, Tiger would have been the story. And well, that's that's for sure. But I just think I just think it's another father forcing his kid in the spotlight when he's not he's not really ready. I just hey, think, I you know, it's. It seems like the, the same thing. Rich, you coached your kid. Uh, yeah. Tell tell us about that dynamic. Well, um, you know, obviously we have my son. and I have a good relationship, and coaching him was wasn't that difficult, honestly, because he was realistic. He understood. Like his sophomore year, I said, Kevin, um, you could be on the JV team and play all the time, or I can bring up the varsity, and you're not going to get a lot of playing time. He said, Dad, I I rather. Uh, beyond the varsity. So he knew his role and he didn't play a whole lot his sophomore year. His junior year, he played more. And then his senior year, he started. The only person that was on my back about his playing time was his mother. <laughs> I mean, he, he never said anything about it. He understood his role and he was, he was a good player. His senior year, uh, he made the all-star team and, and we had a good year. And um, it was, it was actually fun coaching him, but your son has to be willing to be coachable. Some kids are not because they don't want to hear their dad tell them what to do. I, I have a friend who coached in Charleston and he got out of coaching. He got out of co He retired from coaching because he couldn't connect with his son. He said, I want my son to enjoy his high school days. I'm going to just step down from being his coach. Uh, so some kids are open to it. Some are not. Kevin was. Um, I really enjoyed it. I remember coming home after we lost in the playoffs and thinking, wow, I'm never going to be able to coach my son again. And I, I really felt. Um, felt I mean I felt bad I felt like I don't have this opportunity anymore to do this you know and you, the moments go by so fast and you want to treasure those moments um so it does work but also I've seen it where it doesn't work uh and well, I think I... go ahead no I'm sorry Rich I didn't want to interrupt you this well, is fascinating the... to me because I was just gonna say the father has to realize when to step away and pull back and then when he's got to kind of get on him and the kid has to be open to listening to what the dad has to say or say, dad, you know, that's, I get it. I get it. And every kid has their own personality and every dad has to realize, you know, like I said before in the show, as a coach, you have to understand what makes a player play to the best of his ability. Our job is to get into their heads and understand that. And even with our own child, we have to understand what's going to make him play and what's going to work for him. And as long as my uh, wife doesn't jump me about him not playing as much as she was hoping would, <laughs> everything else is cool. Well, this is this is fascinating to me because personally, I was a spectator at some of these games. And it's fascinating to me to watch a father-son dynamic in a game in games. And it didn't look that easy just watching you and Kevin. 
it didn't look that easy. It didn't look that fun because, and I'm thinking, you know, I had daughters and one was a tennis player and I would go to these junior, junior tennis tournaments and I would die. I mean, I would die watching her play because, you know, when, when, when she doesn't win, win the point or when she makes a mistake, I'm going crazy when she wins. I'm so spectacular. And to coach again, uh, you know, I just want to say I, at sports illustrated, I did, um, a couple of stories on Pete Maravich when he was coached by his dad, Press, right. and on Allie and on Allie McGuire when he was coached by his father, Al oh, McGuire. Yes. Yep, yep. And, and Allie McGuire was a point guard on a team of mostly black players. And we put him on the cover one, one, one season, put Allie McGuire on the cover saying he was the spark plug of, of market or something. And it caused amazing problems in the Marquette team, Al told me, with, with his black players, because all of them were better, more accomplished players than Allie McGuire. And they were, you know, it was a real problem in, in those days. And uh, to, to get back to, to me, um, I died 100 deaths watching my daughter play. Rich, to coach your own son, I mean, let's get even more personal. I mean, when you'd lose and go home, now you're now you're a dad, right? You're you're right. you're having Absolutely. dinner with 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 your wife and your son. What was it? Was a big difference from losses and wins? And how did you? Were, were you a dad at home, or were you still a coach? And how did did he address you as coach or dad, or what was that? How did that all that work? Well, I think on the court, he, at, on on the court, it was it was coach. At home, it was dad. Um, you know, you had a back off sometimes after a loss, after a tough loss. And, uh, and, you know, I had my moments when I, you know, teaching moments as they call them uh, and say, this is what we could have done differently and better and so forth. And obviously wins are a heck of a lot better than losses when you come home. Uh, a lot of times we lost, you know, I was, he got, he would get home a lot earlier than I would because I would stay after and, and talk to this assistant coaches and of course close down the gym and so forth. So a lot of times when I got home after a loss, he was already in bed. He knew he didn't want to listen to me. So he already he already be in bed because of that. But um, well, would you I take know, the, would would you take the would, would you take the losses home? Would you take the losses home and would would Karen go, hey, look at a hole. You got to stay away from our son and not. Or you got to coach him no, more. You got to play him more. Yeah, I, I did take. I I carry losses on my on my chest a lot. I mean, it was funny. I sometimes one time when I came home after a game and my and my wife didn't attend this game and. I walked and I said, "Did aren't you going to ask if we win a if we won a loss?" And she said, "I can tell by the way you're walking if you want to if you want a loss." You know, uh, they 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 I don't know. Kevin was pretty good about you know he's pretty consistent with his um, attitude about everything. He did, you know he get down obviously after a loss, but he he handled it as well as better than I did. To be honest with you, better than I did. But um, he he was he was good. It was it was a I I. It, you could coach your kid. Um, it's a great experience. It really is. It's not, it's not easy. I'm not going to say it's easy, but to be able to do that and be with him every day in a gym and to teach him and his, and his, you know, his teammates and his friends was a lot of fun. I treasure those moments. And I, I got a, t a quick story about Al McGuire. Curry, you know, the story when uh, one of the players, uh, Ali was starting and one of the players uh, came in and said, Coach McGuire, I, I'm I'm better than Ali. I I think I should be starting. I mean, I I should be starting over him. And he said, Son, Ali's my son, and he will continue to start. I mean, it was based on 
him being his son. And that's the reason he yeah. gave us the explanation. Yeah. Not because he was a better ball handler or a shooter or a defender. It was because it was his son, he said. So, but people, especially at the high school level, parents got to understand. I mean, if your son is, sometimes players don't, coaches don't put their kids in because they feel like they're going to have a, a backlash. Like, why is he playing his son? If he's deserving, you should play him. You should definitely play him. Don't pull, hold him back because you think other people are going to think negative towards you as a coach or a coaching staff. If he's deserving, play him. You know. Um, well, that's the problem. As a, as a coach, did you ever did you ever face um, favoritism charges from not charges, but from other parents of other parents no, no, or other no. kids or anything like that? No, because his sophomore year he didn't play a whole lot. His junior year he played more. He didn't start until his senior year, and he was deserving to start that year, with, without a doubt. So I don't think anybody could, you know, could say that. I mean, I have to say this: we were we were in a Christmas tournament, and we were fortunate to win it. And they came afterwards and said, uh, "Okay, who do you want to nominate for MVP and all all tournament?" And um, Kevin could have been the M MVP of that tournament. Uh, he had a really two good games, and um, I I said to him, I mentioned the other player instead. I just felt as a dad, I didn't want to, you know, even though my assistant coaches felt, coach, I think he was deserving of it. I said, I get it, but I just think this other player who who played extremely well too, um, so we gave it to him. So that might have been kind of a thing that being a dad, you really couldn't just promote your kid to the highest, uh, even though. Maybe so what did so what did so what did Karen say about that? Uh, she gave me the uh, stink eye. She gave me the stink eye. <laughs> what did Kevin think about it? <laughs> I, you know, he made all tournament. He made all tournaments, so he was happy with that. You know, I, he never said, you know, Dad, I, I, I was, I thought I was deserving the MVP. He never said that, but he was. I think he was thrilled that uh, he made the all tournament team. Good stuff. We went way long this week, but that's all right. We'll go way long next week, probably as well. <laughs> uh, I want to thank uh, our producer Justin Jarrett. Uh, for Rich Baserico and Curry Kirkpatrick, thanks a lot for joining us under the bus. See you guys. Take